today's episode, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Hey guys, it's Ryan from TheMoonIsDeadWorld.net, and I am joined here with my co-host, Christopher Martin, otherwise known as Martin to everybody who, who listens in, doesn't know his first name, we only refer to him by his last name, so... Huh? And um, we just wanted to start this episode off by first saying... That's right, it is the Blood and Black Rum Podcast's birthday. Happy uh, birthday! That's right. We um, we kind of mentioned it in the last episode. Uh, we mentioned like we were coming up on that time that was our birthday, but we never really said when it was. That's because I didn't know. <laughs> Honestly, I don't really keep track of that too, too well. But I did look on iTunes, and um, it lists when you first posted your, your, um, your first episode. And it was seven five fifteen, and that was me and Pride and Vengeance, and so we've been going at it for over a year now, and that's pretty been pretty consistent. We've been trying to do like a week or two week episode. Yeah, I, think each... the, I think the longest we went was almost a month. Yeah, um, no, not even a month. It was like three it was weeks. like three weeks because yeah. that that was in between when I was really busy, and that was not too long ago actually. That was like three weeks, but yeah, we've been we've been going at it for a year now. So I just we just I just want to say congratulations to ourselves. Yeah, pat, pat on the back for being so consistent and and, and, and you, sticking with it despite challenges and everything else. So hopefully we've evolved and hopefully you've evolved with us. And as I say, if um, you understand if our from, humor, if you've been there from the get go, thank you for listening. And what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> but um, for those who are just tuning in, we are the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Um, recently we've been testing ourselves with films that we don't necessarily like, but films that we have to watch, uh, in one way or another. We watched Independence Day to start off our Jeff Goldblum month, um, which is not a very good movie looking back on it. No, it's not at all. Nostalgic, but... In the wake of it, as I was telling you earlier, I've been watching some other podcasters and reviewers doing reviews of their own of the film, and... They they all say like why do people like this film? This film is fucking ter- terrible, atrocious, abysmal. Oh yeah. And but they, if they tell people like I don't like Independence Day, people are like, you don't like Independence Day, and I think it's because people probably haven't watched it in twenty years. Yeah. And if they watched it now, they'd be like, in some ways, like this movie stars Will Smith. He's not even in the movie. Like yeah. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I feel like some of these films from the '90s that really gained a lot of popularity, they are really cheesy. Like, what's up with that? Why do people like these super cheesy films and think back on them in a way that's, you know, that makes them better than they are? We were talking about that. We were talking about Independence Day, Armageddon. Like, those are huge movies. Titanic. Titanic is super cheesy. I mean, if you were looking back on it, that's a three-hour cheese fest. I didn't like Titanic even as a kid. No. Everybody was was like, like, oh, you gotta watch Titanic. You know what's funny is, when Titanic came out, I remember, this is like back when we were in the third grade. Um, Titanic just came to theaters. My like my mom and my sisters were like, "We're gonna go see Titanic with a few other people. Do you want to come?" I'm like, I just learned about the Titanic. <laughs> the boat sank hitting there's, an iceberg. Why do I need to go see a movie about a ship that there's, gets? There's definitely no historical value in seeing Titanic. I was just like, I already know the story. Boat hits iceberg. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Made some and, major, and, major, uh... And that's me, like, as a nine-year-old, or whatever, just being like, or eight, yeah, like eight, seven years old, being like, please, boat hits iceberg. I'm, I'm so smart, I'm too smart for that, Titanic. 
I mean, yeah, but even looking back, like all those films, they have like this cheesy undertone to them. It's really, it's really hard to figure out why people were so interested in those types of films. Well, the 80s were pretty cheesy, too. Yeah, they were cheesy. So it's not like kind of riding the wave. Yeah, and and maybe it's that summer blockbuster thing that we were talking about that, you know, yes, it's cheesy, but people were really buying into it because of... Spielberg. This is what is out this (laughs) summer, and it's got a huge budget, and I'm supposed to like it, so I will. Sort of thing, but um, the reason we bring up like that cheese factor, yeah, I, 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 I said, I do think it's kind of uh, it's cyclical. Mm. Like I said, the '80s, you know, especially yeah, like, they definitely have like, like action, action films yeah, like you know, over really the cheesy. top and like cheesy and same thing like the '90s. But like we look back like the '70s, you know, for the most part, that's like when you got really gritty, you know, really gritty, and then like exploitation films too. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be like the other side of it, but I, you know, the it, I think it's just more what the time period kind of calls for. And I mean, I do confess, I like the grittier films more. Oh no, I do too. Like if I, that's why for me, like one of my favorite decades in films, like the seventies, because you know, like the way things are shot, they look, and like how the tone, like with like Taxi Driver and um. As we reviewed earlier, the Warriors and mm-hmm. just that style of film for me is, you know, in the Godfather and it's you know it's it just suits what I like. Cheesy, I as I've said a thousand times before, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but when right. it's done right, I can appreciate it. Or if it's done in such a way that's so bad that it's enjoyable, I can appreciate it. But like if it's not, you know, if it's not done well. Or if it's not wink, like if it's cheesy, but at the same time they're taking it very seriously. It's and it's not done well enough for you to be like, huh? It's funny, you know. It's I don't know. I think with che- like I think with a gritty, like more down to earth gritty film, you can get away with more things. Like if it's because it's played straight and the tone is you're supposed to get you involved and into that. But if it's cheesy, it's got a hit a very fine line of being cheesy or like. And how serious is it taking itself? And mm-hmm. it's it's a much more you got to be right with it because if any yeah. little thing's wrong with it, it's I, gonna it's going to ruin the mood and the tone of the film. I can't help but feel like that you know, as films have their scripts become cheesier and full of those kinds of catchphrases that you see. It just takes away what? from the impact of whatever you're getting. Like, I don't mind uh, a more ridiculous film, but at the same time, those those one-liners, they really get to me. Because it's like, okay, you, you're you not taking your film serious enough to to hope that the well, audience is as well. Well, see, that's why, I would like, for me, when it comes to, like, Bond films, Connery had a way, like, I mean, even, like, yeah, the first, like, Two Bond films are pretty serious. You know, Dr. No and From Our Show to Love are pretty serious and gritty. But Connery is, you know, witty and kind of pops off with one line. But it feels natural. And, but as the his films progress, they get more and more outlandish and cheesier. And his one-liners do, too. But then when you get Roger Moore coming in after Lazenby, um, you know, most of, almost all of his films, except one or two, are, are very cheesy, over-the-top, corny. And they're just film to the brim with one-liners and it's just like all right all right roger cut cut we're like lazy b i know i like lazy b 
I'm just kidding. I like Lazenby. I'm one of the. I'm one of the sad pun. I was gonna say I'm one of the few people who actually like George Lazenby as Bond. Mm. His one movie, and it's one, the second best Bond film in all of the canon. I think what we're getting at with the cheese factor, and the looking back on the '90s and seeing the sort of um, more ridiculous aspects of those films, is because we're covering the Lost World today, Jurassic Park. And I'll tell you one thing that really bothers me about The Lost World, Jurassic Park, is that it has to tag Jurassic Park on at the end with that colon. Well, so you know it's Jurassic Park film. It makes me angry. The, the, the dinosaur on the front box isn't, you know, now, t- isn't good enough. When Michael Crichton wrote The Lost World, he titled it The Lost World. It didn't need no fucking tag-along Jurassic Park to it. Like, this, so you know, this is the sequel to Jurassic exactly. Park. Exactly. And he, even it, he, I think he was confident enough, he's like, people are going to fucking read this. I don't need to title it a sequel to Jurassic Park, because people are going to read this. They're going to be interested. I'm fucking Michael Crichton. I wrote ER. <laughs> Actually, at that time, I, when really? the Lost World... Is yeah, that what ER yeah, has he, been? He, he, created ER. ER. he created ER. I did not know that. Yes. But anyway, I don't think that... I, I think ER was after the Lost World when he wrote that. But anyway... Yeah, so that really bothers me because I, I before we did this podcast, I had to look it up. I had to look like is it subtitled Jurassic Park? Is it The Lost World alone? It's subtitled Jurassic Park. That's like the official Wikipedia list it as subtitled Jurassic Park, so you know that's correct. That's Wikipedia listed like that, definitely correct. Well, I remember always as like you know because it has the Jurassic Park logo. Yeah, it says like the Lost World. Yeah, but, un- but underneath it, it's got you know Jurassic like, Park. Like yeah, in smaller letters. And I was wondering like, well, is that like just a quantifier or something? But no, no, that's the official title: The Lost World: Colon Jurassic Park. I don't know. It just bothers me just a little bit, just a little bit as like a an English major, someone who studied English. It's, it bothers me a little bit, but. Um, yeah, so we're talking about The Lost World, Jurassic Park, um, and thinking back on it, I have very fond memories of um, seeing The Lost World in theaters. I mean, that was a big thing at the time. I, I can't remember exactly how old I was, um, but I had to have been younger, um, young enough to know that I had seen Jurassic Park previously and that I was very excited to see The Lost World in theaters. Um so I remember being very excited to see it um, with my parents when we checked it out in theaters. Um, it, the Lost World released in 1997, so I would have been, uh, what? How old would I have been? Eight. Eight years old? No, really? Seven, yeah, seven, eight years old. Seriously? Yeah, it's May, so yeah, yeah eight, eight, seven. eight years old. Yeah, so I was really young. When, what were my parents thinking? I was definitely not 13. <laughs> Um, I didn't see it in theaters, but I got the VHS for Christmas that year. You know, I just... And I, I didn't even ask for it. I just, uh, um, and I got a few Lost World toys, as I was telling you, and, like, the whole... I definitely had, like, all the Jurassic Park toys. Yeah. I had, like, the car. Not the car you're talking about. Not the one that is in the Lost World that pulls out, like, with you the, had the, Jeep, with the though. side. You had the I sil- had the Jeep, yeah, the yeah sil- from the original Jurassic Park. My cousin I had, had the that. compound. I had the entire compound... I had, um, uh, who, who else is in that? I had, what, what's the girl's name in, in the original Jurassic Park? Do you remember? I don't remember. But I had her. I had the original girl. Yeah, I know who you're talking, because my cousin, yeah. my cousin had yeah. the same. We yeah, must he have had, had all the same yeah. things, because. Cause he had, cause he had the compound, too, and yeah. he had all that. 
Um, I didn't have any of the Jurassic Park toys, but I did have Lost World toys. I had the one Jeep that had the side seats that would come out and, like, the little front thing to capture the dinosaur. Which, watching this movie, kind of thinking about it, it's like, well, great, you got the thing, the pads around the dinosaur. How do you drive? You're not caging the thing, so you yeah. can't, and it's not lifting the, the animal up when you're driving, so... It's kind of pointless when you think about it. Like, are you going to wait for the cage to come around and lure them in? Or... That made no sense. I had a Vince Vaughn, Nick Van Owen action figure. At that time, Vince Vaughn, was he really a big no. star? I don't think so. No. I mean, I think Lost World was one of his biggest movies at the time. This might be one of his first. From, from what I can remember. Um, um, just taking a look right now at his IMDb page. Four Christmases is on there. Well, he did he did have some um, small roles, bit roles, and some TV series before this film. But it and it looks like he had a few small parts in movies. But yes, The Lost World, I would say, was his biggest film at the time. I don't know about Swingers. He was he was in that film, but I don't I don't think oh yeah I guess he was a lead role in Swingers. So Swingers in nineteen ninety six, and then and then showing up in uh, the late Lost years World. later he'd be in Wedding Crashers. That's right. Um, um, fun but, fact: He also voiced uh, Nick in the video game Jurassic Park Chaos Island, which I've never heard of. <laughs> so I, I it, don't. But I remember our one our our friend Jared. I don't remember what the Jurassic Park game, but it was one for the PC. And you play a chick... It had to have been this one, it looks like. No, because it didn't have... This one has Jeff Goldblum and... Mm. Uh, no, but it was... Um, Star-studded. It was... Yeah, Goldblum, in fact. I know. But um, the one he had... I, I don't. I honestly don't remember. I know it's just... All I know is a Jurassic Park game. I remember playing it with him. Um, and you were playing a chick on the island... I don't remember what you were supposed to do, but I remember specifically you check your health bar. You looked down at your tit, and you had a her tit, and you she had on like a heart tattoo on her like her left boob. You mean she was wearing like a low cut blouse? Low, or something? Yeah, low cut shirt, and so, and so you, so you could see bit. you know her boobs top down uh, as if you're looking down. Yeah, and she had a heart on one of and, her and boobs. That's how you checked your health. Yeah, and it would like if she got like you know the heart would lose color. If so you're... so basically, you guys are checking your health the entire game. Oh yeah, you know. yeah, exactly. You you didn't play the game. <laughs> you just wanted to check your health all the time. I, I see. I see what that game was about. I don't think Steven Spielberg had final say on that. I don't think so. Either. I don't think he would have approved. But um. No, yeah. I, I don't know that game at all. No, I don't. I don't remember what it's called. I just know it's a Never Jurassic Park game, and that was around, around the same, a little after the Lost World came out. Because, um, yeah, I don't think it was Chaos Island. No, it doesn't seem like it. But I did also have a Jeff Goldblum, uh, Doctor Ian action figure, and I had not the Jurassic Park game for the Sega Genesis, though I did rent it often from our local video store. Yeah, I had the Lost World video game. Never played that one. Not a lot of people played it. That was, no. uh, like I said, I was telling you, it's a top-down shooter where you either play as uh, Goldblum or the Safari Hunter Roland, and you basically just go around on your levels with a gun, just shooting dinosaurs and trying to get to the end. So basically, you played the evil people. Yeah, you played the the bad guys. Yeah, because it, like, it's literally a top-down shooter. So like, it's like. Big screen, and then like little guy here, and you're just like running around, going like, 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 uh, not Contra, but uh, you know, like, yeah, like an old school top, yeah, game. yeah. 
Um, so it sounds like that game missed that, the entire point of the Lost World. Eh, just make money. Who gives? Yeah, see, who gives a shit? Well, Let's it, just well, make another well, one. Well, it's the same thing with uh, the Jurassic Park yeah, game. Yeah, that like, had no like, like, like. Oh yeah, you know, you play as either uh, Sam Neill or the Raptor, and if you're Sam Neill, like, oh, you're an electric plant, or you're in the sewer. It's like I don't remember that from the movie. Yeah, that that's that, that's most. Movie license games. You had, they had shit like GoldenEye, one of the best movie license games of all time. GoldenEye. There's a million, most ninety percent of that game's levels are like that didn't happen in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That Jurassic Park game had zero things to do with the original film, and like the whole point, like what? Why are you playing a raptor? It's fun. That's why. Yeah, maybe it's fun, but why are you playing a raptor? I mean, like. The, the raptor is in the in the end of the film, and like, I, well, I never got far enough into like what they would call the story at Sega Genesis times, which didn't really. I don't have. They just had the. But, as I say they just had the. Like, if you played as um, Sam Neil, the you had the cut scene of them like in the jeep, yeah. and then the T Rex breaks yeah. out and it gets split, and the first level is he's just falling out of the jeep from the tree, and you're trying to make your way through the jungle. And then, but if and then, like it just like as you move from level to level, it's like you're at this point on the island. Yeah. You're at this point. But if you're the raptor, it's like oh, you're the raptor, and you break free from your cage, and now you're just running around eating people. Yeah, you're a raptor because it's fun. Yeah, I never got far enough to even know what's going on in that. Well, like I said, I that game was fucking hard. Yeah, well, like I, <laughs> like I said, the same thing with Lost World. Lost World was fucking hard too. Um, pretty much all Sega Genesis games were fucking hard. Well, I bet if we played them now, like, is it... Like, they may not as, be as hard. Like, thinking adults would be like... This yeah, is but like... at, at the same time, like, Sega Genesis games, they, they really punished you for any mistakes you made. Because there wasn't really a save at that time. You you were like, well, no, well you die, you're done. That's it. Well, Start over. Well, it's funny, because, like, uh, as I remember for the long, being a big, as you know, big Mortal Kombat fan. Yeah. Playing on the Sega Genesis, like, oh, you gotta take a piss? can't hit start there's no pause in this yeah, game so yeah. you got you gotta keep going and then it came like when i got to when deadly alliance came out for the xbox and like i can pause in the middle of a fight this is great i can pause and yeah. take a yeah. there was a new it's, thing it's like, for you it's like this is great you know this is this is great i'm still sad luke king got his neck snap yeah. but this this is great all right we've gotten away from the lost word a little bit here so let's take a break and talk about what we're drinking and this week we don't really have anything new as far as like beers or anything like that. Do you? I don't think you got anything new. Nope. I'm still trying to finish up that 15 pack of the All Day IPA from Founders, uh, which we talked about in the last episode. You just don't like it enough. If you liked it, you would finish it. No, no, I do like it. I just it's, don't. It's been very hot. Out. I'm but trying to not to drink as much, especially today. I'm trying to be uh, the the guy who's not got a beer belly anymore. You don't even have a beer belly to begin with. Well, I do a little bit. No, I'm you, trying to no, get rid of it. No, you don't. I have a beer That's why... I have a beer belly. That's why when I told you when I was running today, like the yeah. other day, I'm like built like a brick shit house, but I'm still like, you know, like outrunning people who are like healthier. And well, I, I wish that I had time to run because I would, but I, I don't it's right now. 30 minutes. You can schedule. It's a lot. It's a lot of time when no, you don't not. get no. home till five o'clock and then you got to can... make dinner and then you got to... Do all your blogging shit, and it's a lot. All I hear is I gotta do this fucking podcast. All I hear is excuses. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So tonight we're actually drinking like mixed drinks. 
I had a whiskey sour to start things off with, with no orange juice. <laughs> no orange juice, but a war war eagle whiskey, which is pretty cheap. It's a um, a bourbon that's pretty cheap. Twenty bucks this, for a seven fifty mil. Basically, yeah. But at the same time, it's really good um, for mixed drinks, and it's not bad straight either. So I I will give it that. I mean, it's pretty cheap, and I think it's even cheaper in certain areas. Like here, it's not so cheap. It, I mean, it it's cheap, but it's not like really cheap compared well, to what I've well, seen. I was going to say, say twenty. New bucks, York is fucking expensive well, for <laughs> like taxes and shit. Anyway, Every, so well, everything. Well, I was going to say twenty bucks for a seven fifty milliliter bottle of whiskey. That's a pretty good deal because I consider like old granddad is like really cheap, cheap and a low end. That's twenty one bucks. Yeah. Me. So, um, the only like the only cheap whiskey like that is like Canadian Club or Canadian yeah. Yes, like for ten bucks a bottle. The thing is, that's not bourbon. That's Canadian whiskey. So you're gonna you're not, true, true. So I like you know twenty bucks for. Seven fifty is yeah, it's, not, it's a, not bad at all. It's not a bad deal because, like again, like like another cheap whiskey, but it's pretty expensive. Like cons- considering is like Red Stag, like the lower end Jim Beam. Yeah, uh, that's still like that's like twenty five bucks a fucking bottle. Yeah, and you can spend like a couple bucks more and get Jim Beam regular. True. So I mean, true. So it's not bad. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we had tonight, though, in really living up to the name of Blood and Black Rum podcast, is Crack and Black Rum. With some Pepsi. With some Pepsi. Uh, normally, you know, I am a Coke person, but we got Pepsi for our 4th of July party and we had it left over. So, obviously, we're going to use I like that. I like both. I think I like Pepsi a little bit more than Coke, but when it comes to mixed drinks, definitely a Coke person. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, a, like a Jack and... That crispness that, that you get like from it. Jack and Coke or yeah. rum and Coke. It's just much... But I really enjoy, like... Rum and Coke or rum and Pepsi or whatever you're going to have. Especially with the black rum because the black rum is super smooth. Kraken black rum is really smooth. I love Kraken. Goes great with root beer too. Yeah, it does. That, uh, Even cream ale I think would be really uh, good. No, I have not had it with cream ale, but I, I'm guessing that it would be very nice. You know what I really like? Um, our Dark and Stormies. That's basically like a ginger beer and a black rum. Very good. I haven't had one, but that I would do I that. had it at a bar one time. Uh, like kind of a shitty bar, but still, it was really good. It was made with um, it's still hard to fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's not very that, not very difficult. <laughs> but it was made with um, you're not ordering like a fancy drink like a grasshopper. It was made with Gosling's, Gosling's black rum and their ginger beer, and uh, it was really good. And I, I, that was the first time it had a dark and stormy. And dark and stormy's, I, I haven't really seen around, but. I, I'm sure people can make them. They're very good. It just depends on if you have ginger beer lying around, I guess. But really good. I would definitely I recommend imagine, those, I, um, uh, those drinks. At least a halfway decent bar, because that's what goes in a Moscow Mule. Yeah. They're delicious. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they're very good. They're very good. I would recommend a dark if I If I made more money and didn't have a shit ton of student loans to pay off, I would invest more in, like... Like drinking uh, mixed drinks, and yeah. Stuff. Instead of just being hardcore down the beer line, but because there, it but, is, but 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 because I don't, I just like all right, just beer, simple, go, good to go. But I do, though at bars I never order mixed drinks. There's only been like a it couple. Depends, yeah, it depends I, like, for me. Going through college, the only time I'd ever get like a mixed drink is like, oh, it's two dollar rum and coke night. I'll have a rum and coke. Yeah, might as know. well. Um, if it's a fancy bar, I'll order a beer or um. um a mixed drink. Or, like, on my birthday, my one friend ordered me a grasshopper. What is that? 
I don't know what goes in it per se, it but is. it's like a minty mixed drink, and they put whipped cream and sprinkles on top. Wow, that kind of sounds weird. It is, it's actually it's really good. Yeah, I, I only got like the one time because I just from um, this is after I graduated from Oswego and I went up there for my birthday. Uh, my one friend's like, and he's my one. He's my best friend up and up there. He's the only one that knew it was my birthday. And he's like, I'm getting you a grasshopper. You're getting a grasshopper tonight. And I was like, Oh, it's got fucking whipped cream and sprinkles on it. Yeah, he's like, like just drink it. I'm like, it's really freaking good, huh? Huh? I have to give that a shot. I've never, I've never. I don't heard know of anyone it around here that would make yeah, it. Yeah, I've never heard well, of it before, but it it sounds interesting, especially with the whipped cream and sprinkles. I don't. You don't really hear about that too much on like a mixed drink, whipped cream and spring, unless it's like a chocolate one, like a mudslide or something yeah, like no, that. But no, it's like it's a mint, like a minty one, hmm. like a mint julep sort of. Mint julep. Nah, because I, I I imagine that mintiness would be a whole different kind of cut mint. cut by like the whiskey that you got in it. Tastes like plant instead of. Mint. <laughs> <laughs> we have mint outside actually. Oh, do you? Yeah, we're growing it in the oh. garden. Oh my god, yeah, we haven't used it yet, so we sh- we should slap it on your steak, a nice minty steak. Minty steak. I don't know about that. Well, give Put it, it in our ice cream. Be the first one to try it. Put yeah, it in min- the vanilla ice cream. Or just buy mint chip ice cream, you cheap fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to put real mint in it. That's why. Oh. All right, all right, all right. Let's get to the last word. <laughs> Colon, Jurassic Park. Um, so, I, I, like I said before, I have fond memories of seeing it in the theater. I really remember... Those scenes where people got killed. <laughs> I mean, that's the most memorable part of it for me. Um, um, this is for me too. The, the the big scenes for me were the T Rex attack. At the, you know, towards the beginning of the film because that was a very like eight year old me was in a very suspenseful mood at that time. Um, because and I clearly remember seeing like the. You know the R, the RV, the the camper, links, the sausage link RV, uh, falling down off the cliff while they're hanging on the rope. Just that the, really stood out to me because even then I was like, "Wow, that's got to be some great physics." Where no one got hit with the RV falling down around them, like no one, everybody nothing, no, swinging nothing, on the nothing, rope, nothing was, fell like, from yeah. like not a fucking uh, sauce nope. pan came down, nope. like slapped. No, nope. no pillow or anything just was out of place <laughs> when that thing fell over, and uh, you know they they were perfectly still on that rope as like the air whooshed by them. So that no one, no one, no hair out of place in that. No one, no one actually got knocked off. Um, but you're right. You brought up that point of um, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Richard Schiff. Richard Schiff, who unfortunately is eaten during that scene, uh, trying to do his best to save people. Um, Goes out like a hero. Yeah, he really does. Um, watching the film today, I was I was thinking like. You know, both St- Spielberg and this um, the screenplay writer, who was David Kep, um, kind of made him into like a little goofball, though. Like that's kind of sarcastic. It, yeah, in a scene where he is really important to the lives of four people, including a little girl, they made him into a real fucking goofball because he's running around like with the the, the winch. winch and. Not only does like he mis in, misunderstand how far he needs to reach with that winch, he like is thrown into the mud because of it, and he's running around with his head cut off, which trying does, to which, loop which the winch around things. Which which 
in a sense, makes sense. Yeah, true. I feel like because, I'd be in the because, same situation. Because, well, you know, you'd be even more fucked. I'd be, I'd be all, like, panicking, and I'd be yeah, like, no. I don't know what the fuck to do! I, know, I don't know what the fuck to do! So you'd be even more fucked, and same yeah. with me, because it'd be like, what the fuck, you know? What the hell? It's, you know, first of all, shit, I would... First of all, I wouldn't even know that there was a winch on that car because who has a winch on a car? On uh, that nice Mercedes SUV does. I guess so. That's going like, on an expedition I have no into idea. the jungle. Like, like <laughs> normally, like if I had, I have a Rogue, a Nissan Rogue, so it's an SUV. It's a, you know, it's a it's a fine SUV. You don't put but a, I don't have win- a winch on it. Well, you wouldn't because need, you don't need someone. I guess I'm not venturing into because you because uh, dri- you drive. A soccer mob SUV. Yeah. You don't need a. I'm winch. not venturing into into the five deaths islands. Cinco Muertos. Yes, Cinco Muertos. Um, yeah, I'm not doing that. But but yeah, I wouldn't even have known. I guess you know maybe because he designed that. No, well, I was to say my point. My point is like yeah, like he's kind of bumbling. One, it makes sense because it's, it's a very high pressure it's a situation. Stress, very situation. Very stressful. Two. Um, you know, if you just simply did it all in one get go, not really a suspenseful scene. Yeah, but that scene lasts like twenty minutes, literally. Like honestly, it well, lasts hit, twenty not, minutes. Not him doing that. No, but not the, but the whole the whole the whole thing with the T Rex yeah, lasts no, like twenty minutes. Yeah, no, you're right. It's that a does, long scene. You know, you're right. But at the, but at the same time, it makes sense though that he would be able to do the. Do all that quickly because he's the he's the field tech. So all yeah. that equipment he knows how to use. You know, like the, from the jeep and the one you would expect your field equipment guy. Like I know how to work a wench. This is how the knot you tie like around the tree yeah. and around this loop and because remember like the the whole hide hide the high hide thing like. He had to be the one to set that up. It wasn't fucking Vince Vaughn sitting there like yeah okay uh, I'm gonna sit here. How do you put this? cage thing together and all that put it back together and the wench is in that pole that thing because that thing's run on the wench too of a jeep yeah because it's got to be brought in the it's air gotta, so yeah, it's it, lifted into the air so and the only thing they would have to do that is they the wench have a crane yeah so it'd be the wench over so it's it's him that's doing it so yeah it all makes sense but no you're right throughout his richard Schiff's uh Scenes. He is very smart. Not smarmy, but sarcastic. Yeah, and, and, and ve- kind of, you know, yeah. They treat him as though he's kind of stupid, even though he clearly is. Well, not. no, he's not. not I don't. I wouldn't say he's. They treat him like he's stupid. I say more. He's just your stereotypical sarcastic smartass. Like Goldblum's got something to say. He's got. Right away, he's got, like, something witty to say about, like, what the fuck he's doing. I actually think he's really smart, and I think it's actually... It, it sucks that he gets killed halfway through the film, because I think one of the good things about this film is... His humor is pretty fu- Like, it's pretty funny. Especially the counterpoint that he serves to Goldblum, and Jeff has his little neuroticisms, and he's got something to say about, you know, say about it. So, like, for instance, when Jeff's constantly trying to use the satellite phone, and it's not working, and he's like... It's not a landline. It's, you gotta wait for a signal. And he's, Jeff would do what I would do when I get pissed off at technology. Just sit there bashing it like, you know, fucking work. And he's just like, yeah, uh, Richard Schiff's character's like, yeah, you know, uh, violence and technology, no, nah, they're not good bedfellows. Nah, it's not gonna work. Yeah. You know, it's a great counterpoint. And I, I think the, um, the biggest thing about The Lost World is that it has a lot more of those comedic moments those those moments that try to 
wring all of the humor out of it with one-liners and like zooms. Very one-liner. Like, yeah, heavy film. Well, as as, as as I was telling you, asking you, I should say, uh, before we do- dove into this. Um, I haven't seen this film in probably about five, six years. It's been a long time since I've seen The Lost it's, World. It hasn't been that long, but it's been five, six, seven years maybe for me at the most. I've seen, last seen this film in its entirety. Yeah. Um, and kind of looking back at it, like for my memories, it's like, it's kind of a lot like the original Jurassic Park. Except in like a few little differences. The point I was asking you was, Jurassic Park is heralded as one of the best films and like, the past 25 years. It's considered, one, like, you know, not just, like, as a blockbuster, but it was one of the best films in the past 25 years. Yeah. Why is The Lost World not viewed anywhere near that? Like, people just, like, kind of black it out. It's a difficult question, and it's one that has a lot of parts to it. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen the original Jurassic Park as well. So, I, I can't say from memory how well... To me, that film holds up as far as like, but it's, it, like but looking it's, back on. But it. it's even from uh, from looking back at the time period itself. The film was like the uh, Lost World when it first came out was the highest grossing film of like in its box uh, box office weekend, right? I think at that time. But it, right after that, it went off like a, like a note, like a just yeah. And, that's and, and, and I asked you that question because I look back when, before I watched this film, kind of looking back like, yeah, I don't remember The Lost World being, you know, like a bad film or anything disparaging. I don't get why, you know, because Jurassic Park 3 is awful. Right. I can see why people would yeah, never, that was terrible. never look fondly back to that because outside of Sam Neill and William H. Macy, that film sucks. But, you know, I kind of look back at The Lost World it's like, well, why is that not viewed as well? But after... As well as you know the first one, but after watching it again, I can I can totally understand why. It's, oh, absolutely! Why people would probably not look back at this film anywhere near as fond as the first one. I mean, I think that it takes things a lot less seriously. It's it's a lot more campy than the first film. It's much more B movie. Yeah, the film had the you know Jurassic Park had camp to it, but it wasn't entirely about that. It, it definitely took its. It's more it's science, seriously. You know what I mean? It, it well, definitely... they dedicate they, de- they dedicate a lot of time to the whole. Oh, we got a mosquito and it's trapped in amber, but it's got blood in it and it's got dinosaur yeah. DNA. You know, they, they, you know, but sounds ridiculous. But they take it, yeah. You know, very... and, they, and they and they made it into a film that you could you at least could believe in the premise of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Lost World attempts to do the same thing. Especially in its first mm, forty-five minutes or so, you know, it's 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 certainly trying to establish this new place uh, where these dinosaurs have been roaming ever since they have, you know, been set up there uh, in on this island. But at the same time, I, I don't think that the script takes it as seriously. They it. It's almost like the people that are on, that are featured in this film have now, they don't really believe in the actual existence of the dinosaurs. Except, uh... Except for Ian. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's character. Um, and Sarah, who is the, the scientist who 
is studying these dinosaurs. Like, they, none of them really believe in this. And, and it's kind of, it's weird because it's not like the, the original Jurassic Park hasn't been proven or anything and no one has come, come around and said, yeah, there's fucking dinosaurs and, and stuff. Not only that, but John Hammond has clearly recruited these people to go to the island to study dinosaurs, well, telling them, yes, we have dinosaurs there. We've created them. Well, no, because you, you, you kind of have to pay attention that first bit with uh, when Ian shows up to... Uh, to Hamm- John Hammond. To Hammond's place, and he's talking to Peter, the antagonist of the film, uh, yeah. John Hammond's uh, nephew, uh, when they're saying that they all signed non-disclosure agreements, so they they c- can't speak out against it, but uh, Doc, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character has, and he's you know been punished for it, and he's lost his, uh, his tenure at the college that he taught at, and... All that crap. So nobody believes him that you know such a thing exists. So people don't know about it. But Site B, what Site B is, it was supposed to be a, is a breeding ground for the original park. So that's where like they had research labs and breeding for the animals. That that once they got you know bred, they could then be moved over to the park itself. But so that 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 makes sense why there isn't a whole you know like fences and all that because yeah. Because it wasn't set up for it to be like a park, they just had like little places where they probably bred the animals, and then like, okay, we're gonna take them over. And but once you have them, uh, you know, after the island's been abandoned, because they say a hurricane came through and you know destroyed everything they had to abandon it, but the dinosaurs that were there were able to breed and they be you know be successful breeding and continuing on. Um, and then thus he wants, Hammond wants them to go there and to keep, you know, uh, get a record going of them. And so people can see that these animals are living, they're fine, contain them and let them, you know, exist as they are. Yeah. But I mean, even so, these people that are going to the island, they know that there are dinosaurs there. They, they know that they're there. And yet... Hammond had to open that checkbook to get most of them there. At the beginning of the film, when they eventually do get to the island, the Site B, they are still in awe. Well, and awe is not really unrealistic. I mean, seeing a dinosaur for the first time, you would probably be fucking shitting your pants. So, I mean, that that's in itself is not unrealistic, but the way that the Lost World goes about introducing our new characters to the dinosaurs really doesn't make sense because if these people are so well-versed in dinosaur, you know, knowing about, well, edu- not. educated about dinosaurs. Well, they're not because well, and- Vince Vaughn's the documentary guy. Yeah. So he doesn't know, he doesn't have to know anything. And then Eddie, uh, played by Richard Schiff, He's uh he's the field tech guy, so he just knows the equipment. So yeah, but you wouldn't get but, but any old you, but, asshole. But when you think well, about, but no, when you're right, when you think about when the guys that Hammond sends over there, it doesn't make sense. Like, okay, you got Vince Vaughn there to film it. Yeah, gotcha. You got Richard Schiff there to run the tech. Gotcha. You got Sarah there as a paleontologist who would, you know, have some background in the habits and life of these animals. Gotcha. Then you got. Goldblum there as the mathematician and chaos theorist. What's he gonna be like? Yeah, nature finds a way because of chaos theory. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. It, they basically put out of all the people Hammond 
from the first film could have asked to go back there. It would have been Sam Neill. Yeah. You would have been like, okay. You would have gotten know, him back, too. You're a paleo- the- yeah, you're a paleontologist, too. You yeah. you come back. But he's probably like, hell no. At, at that point, a chaos theorist is not needed. They don't yeah. need him there to... They're, they're still going. So it's not like you don't need like to, like yeah chaos theory would said yeah like even though they don't have because the the dinosaurs were designed to if they don't have lysogen in their diet they'll die they'll die off very quickly but because of the soy like the soy has lysogen and a few other things that they've been eating uh, the herbivores have been eating that that is found on the island they're surviving and because carnivores eat herbivores. That gives them the lysogen too. That's why they're able to be successful. Yeah. So you don't you don't need a chaos theorist to be there. And be like, yeah, um, this situation that seems improbable. Well, chaos theory says it's probable because anything can happen. Yeah. You know. So they they basically just have him there because Julianne Moore is there. So and that's and his then girlfriend, it would be his daughter, yeah. there too yeah. to put to add more stakes to it. Yeah. You know. But it, I mean, I think that that the whole beginning of the film is very slow. And unnecessarily drawn out um, to the point where it's basically repeating what Jurassic Park did. It's it's repeating all that the same thing. Like here's a, a land full of dinosaurs. Like, oh, do, really? We uh, want to get, get there? Oh, then you yeah. first, then you first see the dinosaurs, and then you have the John Williams score coming. Like do 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 do. Like look at the wonder of these creatures, yeah. and then shit goes you it's, know wrong. It's it's a it's a a repeat of what Jurassic Park did, and so any anybody who saw Jurassic Park is like, okay, yes, I, I saw this before, this isn't really anything new. Um, those who didn't, it's like, why didn't you see Jurassic Park? Everybody saw Jurassic Park. Why, <laughs> you you came to the Lost World colon Jurassic Park, and you didn't see Jurassic Park. That's that's your fault. Like <laughs> That's like us going to see Captain America Civil War not seeing the other ones is like, well, you know, that's I, our fault. I understand yeah. that I don't, and I'm not getting what's happening right now, but that's totally my fault. There's two other films that I did not see, plus a whole bunch of other, I was saying, more, uh, than, more than you know, two. Marvel films that I didn't watch. So I get it. That's my fault. I, I should have done that. But, but yeah, for Jurassic Park, I mean, even with, the, like I said before, with that colon, that, that subtitle of Jurassic Park, like, you know. I should have seen that first film. Well, not even, even if they didn't, the fucking logo is the same. So yeah, you, exactly. It's, yeah, it's basically all the same. You'd have to be. I think like, they just swapped to, like the you'd, colors. You'd have to be living under a rock to like not at know. that time. Yeah, you definitely would have had to be living under a it rock. It would have been like, oh, what? It, the Lost World. Let's go see. Like, and I, and I'm like, oh, this is a sequel. Yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you absolutely would have had to have been living under a rock to not know. You know, this is, this is, you know, that was a huge blockbuster and looking at the box office numbers for The Lost World was even, it was huge. Their budget was $73 million, which was, I mean, that's high. But anyways, they, they already recouped that on opening weekend with $90 million. In the U.S. alone. In the U.S. And then finally for gross, they made $229 million on this film. It was 600. nuts. Like six something in the worldwide. That's crazy. That's a lot of money. And the only film that beat it that year was Titanic. Yeah. Which made over a billion dollars. So you know, like, you know, people were definitely interested from Jurassic Park. They were coming back for The Lost World. And I think that that opening that is so slow, you know, watching this film now, uh, The Lost World is super back-ended. 
There's you can, so well, much. To compare it back to Independence Day, you can say that about a lot of 90s blockbuster it films. Was, it's a films trope. Yep. Films that are overly long, shouldn't be anywhere near as long as they are. The, they spend way too much time in the first few acts trying to develop shit. And then they back end everything interesting into the end. But by the end... You're more than likely going like I. I don't give a shit. I honestly don't even think that they in the Lost World they do a very good job of the characterization for any of this film. Like Vince Vaughn's character, you you literally know very very no, little about. No, him no the only as one, a person. the only good characterization I would say is Jeff Goldblum because his character has already been established. It's established because he's and, and then he's Sarah ba- as well because he's because he's basically. I would disagree. I don't think Julianne Moore is that good in this film. Not I, yet, I, I, th- but I think she's is... very bland and boring, and I mean, I've, I I'll agree. She is boring. She is bland. But at least they establish a very generic outline of why she's there. I mean, she's just motivated to study dinosaurs. That literally, I mean, that is that when you boil it down, that is her character motivation. That's it. She is. She just wants to study dinosaurs. But at the same time, I mean, when you compare it to Vince Vaughn, who is really has nothing no motivation they just, whatsoever well, cuz they just sprink they just sprinkle in it at, at opportune times yeah. like things about him like oh he's the videographer he's been like certain places and whatnot then like oh Ingen shows up and they Hammond knew this might happen so he sent Vince Vaughn there because he's had experience like you know fighting corporations and breaking you know yeah. you know and that's why he's there cuz he's an you know an environmentalist and fucks with things like that you know Oh, that was just sprinkled in there, just like because you know that the plot needed it. Yeah. But I mean, the easily, like I said, the most developed character is Jeff Goldblum's, because he is in a writing Jurassic Park. So all you gotta do is take his eccentricities, which are very heavy, in the first Jurassic Park film, add him here. But now he's the star, and that's your focal point for characters. But like you said, like most of the main characters in this film. Vince Vaughn, I find to be terribly wooden, boring, dull, miscasted. I don't know who the hell thought, like, hey, let's get Vince Vaughn for this role. Yeah. Uh, not a good idea. I think Julianne Moore is boring. I think she's wooden also. I don't think she does a great job in the role either. I do like Richard Sheff. I think he does a good job as Eddie, as like kind of, as the tech- for, for the small part that he has. Yeah, the very yeah. small part. And then outside of him, it'd be... Um, Throw a blank on his name. Um, um, I'm not sure you're thinking of here. It would be Zedita. No, it was. Uh, I do love Peter Stormare though. I mean, I've seen him in a few films. Normally, he gets like a smaller role. But well, he did have a pretty I, small. I do like Dieter. Oh uh, no, it's uh Peter. Uh, Peter Ludlow. No, Peter. Arliss Howard. No, oh, Pete, Pete Postlethwaite. Yeah, Postlethwaite. Pete Postlethwaite as uh, Roland, who yeah. is the the the, the main antagonist throughout most of it. Who I'm not, I'm, you know, he's I, I, not even. Yeah, he's, no, he's not, not even the, the biggest antagonist. No, cause, really, cause, because he's not. No, because uh, uh, Arliss Howard is Peter. Uh, uh, Ludlow yeah. is the yeah, anti- yeah. he he's he is the, the antagonist. biggest one. The, Tembo is just there as a hired hand, as a safari guide. He and, and, he, and he wants to score his one. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, I wouldn't say I would. I would, Well, not kill. He just he just wants to 
crab himself, a T-Rex, whether it's dead or alive. Right. A, a buck one. But I wouldn't say that makes him the antagonist or anything. He's just on... He's on their side, but the, that I don't think... I think he's just the guy there. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say he's an antagonist or an anti-hero or protect. You know, on there's no good for him. It's to, like it's totally gray. It's just he's he's there. He's been a safari guy his entire life in Africa. He's got paid to do it, but all he wants to do is hunt what's now the greatest predator on earth, the T Rex. I've actually I've got to di- disagree with you there, only because the film doesn't do a good job. Um, when we first meet all of those hunters. They the film does paint Roland as the big the the antagonist the big guy because he's and, well, the, the one beginning. that leads that that whole um, safari expedition. Well, but that's because he's the experienced one. He's yeah. He's but, he's been in Africa. So when you have uh, John Hammond's nephew uh, sitting there, like, oh, we should set up camp here, and he's like, yeah, let's set up camp here. We'll all die tonight because we set camp up here. Yeah, that's a great idea. You know, and he explains to him yeah. why he's a fucking idiot, and then he's like, "Okay, maybe we'll we won't do that." It's, it's, I, you know, it does make him seem like yeah, he's a bad guy, but at the same time, it's not. He's experienced. He know he's been, you know, he's done this a bunch of times. He didn't come all the way out there to die, and I think that's, but that's just more self-preservation than like malicious intent. But I think that's the script's fault that. Peter, for throughout much of the film, isn't really much of a threat at all. I mean, but you know from the get go when he's introduced that he's guy, a little bit of an as, as asshole. The, yeah. As the business guy signing papers, telling Jeff Goldblum that you know all his problems are his own because he broke like the the disclosure agreement. Oh, excuse me, and all that you can tell, like uh, yeah, he's your standard corporate asshole that you're supposed to go, like, oh yeah, he's a corporate asshole. You you know. He just wants to turn those dinosaurs into fucking profit. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't think that the film does a good job of even including him throughout the film. I, or throughout the beginning of the film. Well, I as I was... Well, no, even no, even throughout the film. Because as I was telling you, let's play a fun game. Is that Peter or uh, another character called... RJ. RJ. They look the same. They talk the same. R- RJ, if you don't know, is... Uh, Tembo's friend, uh, lifelong friend, and safari buddy that he goes on safaris with. Yeah. So, and they're really good friends. But the thing is, RJ and Peter look the same throughout this. They dress the same. They have basically the same haircut. Because Peter's missing a little bit of hair. Yeah. Not much. They're both British. They wear the same glasses. It's like, is that Peter? Is that RJ? In the uh, Velociraptor scene in the in the long grass, you can't tell. It's you like, can't tell who it is. Yeah, at the, at until, the time, until, until until they say yeah, it. Yeah, when you see uh, Roland say RJ's dead because he's talking to Peter. Yeah, but yeah, you wouldn't know because it's like it almost seems like they got the same fucking actor to play. But okay, you're gonna be doing double duty this movie. Yeah, even though it's not the case. But I mean, it's just. Yeah, it, it's like so close to like looks and sat like the because their voices are very similar too. So, it's it's that's just confusing. Yeah, as I said before, I I feel like the film is quite um back like the the back half of the film is very heavy on the action, whereas the first hour or so of the film, besides that T Rex attack scene, um, is really not. 
very much. It's basically exposition, really. Um, you know, what do you what do you think about them like backloading the entire part of you know this film is two hours, basically an hour mm-hmm. hour and twenty nine or one hundred twenty nine minutes. An hour of that is exposition. The second hour is basically full-blown chaos as the dinosaurs attack and it's nighttime and basically everything happens all at once i mean what do you what do you what do you think from about that i think it it makes it a more uh boring film and and, in in the sense that when because the action at the end of the film is very underwhelming and it's san diego you mean san diego even like the raptor thing because it's it's a rehash of the first one yeah, the raptor scenes so, are very much reminiscent of that that final part of Jurassic Park. I think they did. I, th- I, I literally think they did because like people love that from the first. Yeah, because so you know shove that. I in. agree. I mean, so, in that first film, that Velociraptor chase is very tense and I suspenseful. Mean, it's like, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's like holy shit! These Velociraptors are out for blood. They're not going to stop. Um, but now you're right. Like uh, the CGI for the Velociraptors isn't super great in this film um there's a scene and i, I don't say, think I, jeff goldblum sells it very well to be honest with you we're talking about we're in jeff he, goldblum mode. well he well he probably where uh, we okay jeff um this is steven uh so in the scene you're gonna be standing up there and a raptor's gonna jump at you and you're gonna have to react to it while your daughter's spinning around and doing this gymnast thing because she's gonna kick the raptor through the window and he's probably like how the fuck do I act in front of a CGI? You know, how do I react to something I can't see? Like, like what kind of face do you want me to make, Steve? Like, ooh, nah, ooh, ooh. You know, that would be me as an actor. Like, if like if I got cast in like Lucas's prequels to the Star Wars, where it's all just green screen, okay, you're walking now. Imagine there's aliens over here and this and that, and the city's going by. I'd be like, George, what the hell do you want from me? I'm literally acting in front of a fucking screen. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. I, I almost think that's the same thing with like, with like Goldblum. He's probably like, yeah. like I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> like, yeah, like I mean, there's, and it's tough because that that's the Velociraptor scene is difficult. I'm I'm when I'm thinking about it, you know, he's holding up that door as the Velociraptor charges, and I'm thinking they got like a football player to charge after at John. Or, Jeff. Uh, uh, Jeff no, they probably, yeah, probably pretend somebody's charging yeah. you, then jump back, and then, yeah. like, then they'll f- film the stunt guy getting, you know, knocked through the window, and yeah. Same thing with like the raptor, like he opens the door, goes into the building, the raptor jumps through the window. He doesn't like give like a oh shit, he's more like, oh wow, like, you know, like a yeah. But I mean, and that brings up the the question of like how how does the CGI hold up in this film? I wouldn't say it's bad though. I wouldn't say I, it's I wouldn't bad. Say, I, and I it's think it's not. Pretty, it's, it's it's not good by today's standards. Well, not by today's. I still think it's pretty good. I it mean, is good. It's though. not as seamless as the first yes. Jurassic Park. Yeah. But I mean, compared. Yeah, that's the thing. I I think that the first Jurassic Park was a little bit more realistic, a little bit more seamless in the way that it um, featured the CGI. But I it think was a little I, bit more detailed. But I think that also has to do. They had robotics for that too. And this one does I, too, though. And I, I don't know how much they utilize that in this film because by with you know some been, of the close-ups, it's been four or five years since nine, you know, and computers in that time span, you know, yeah. especially CGI. Like you could got see them, you know got a lot better. So I I could see almost at that point like, why we we waste all this money on you know building a puppet or a robot we can just fucking CGI it in. And I don't know why they didn't hire Jim Henson. 
<laughs> you know they could have, have, have Fozzie chase ex- ex- hey, exactly. or the Swedish chef bork 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 you know they did use uh, the me- mechanical stuff you can tell when they have like the baby T-Rex mm-hmm. that's certainly mechanical as far as as I could tell um, some of the close up scenes where there's like grazing mm-hmm. uh, are mechanical but yeah I mean well, actually, yeah, I think they're really relying good. more so on the CGI aspect of it Especially in scenes where, like, the stegosauruses are... Yeah, you, you um, can clearly tell yeah, that. It's very... And one of the things that I just... I thought was kind of sloppy was when... There's a scene where the um, velociraptors are fighting each other when Sarah is kind of pressed against a building. She mm-hmm. falls off a, a roof. And uh, they kind of tumble next to her. Mm-hmm. And there's no movement from her. Like, there's no, like, wind gust or... Even like her flinching back from it, it's it's literally like static. Yeah. Um, and that itself is like a lack of detail that I felt was really noticeable within that. And and for the most part, the Lost World doesn't have that. There's no like really noticeable moments where you're like, oh wow, that there was no reaction there. But that was one of them. That was like a, a one that you would expect them to spend a little bit more detail on making sure that, you know, okay, Julian Moore, you're gonna flinch now, you know, or something like that, but... I don't even think they kind of do that, though, with, like, today's stuff. So, you, mm, I think... <laughs> I don't know, I think it's just a little bit more blocked than what it was in... I like, mean, well, I mean, it's just more blocked now, like, like it's, there's more setup and more... Oh, because, you know... Even if it was, like a, uh, like, a dude in a green suit, like, rolling past her, I mean, at least she could then kind of recoil... Mm. But see, that's that's why to me as like a filmmaker, I could probably never like do anything with CGI because that sh- that shit would just drive me crazy. It's like, like no, see, yeah, like, no, well, there's gonna be a giant monster, but right now, just watch this dude in a green full body suit. Well, like, well, 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 like I said, like like with Lucas filming the Star Wars prequels, like every almost every scene was just shot in front of a green screen. Yeah, everything. So it's like, okay, Ewan, uh, Sam, yeah, you're gonna be walking. And talking, Yoda's gonna be there, but you can't see Yoda because he hasn't been animated in yet. And you're gonna be having your conversation and walking, but what's going on behind you is this beautiful cityscape, and ships are flying around, and all this, and it's like, no, like, that's one of the reason reasons to me, like, I like practical effects. It's just, it's just it, the real, like, you get more, especially as a viewer, you get more engrossed, even if it's a shitty practical effect. You get more engrossed in what you're watching. Yeah. Because you can tell that is real. No matter how good they get at CGI, your eye is always going to be able to spot. Like, that's not nat- that's not natural. That's yeah. not... And I, I... I literally miss that in films. Mm. And I mean, granted, I don't blame, like, this film or any other film for having CGI. This film it. kind of needs it. I mean, it has to have it. Otherwise... It's a hard, very hard thing to get done. Your budget's yeah. gonna be... <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you uh, think of the San Diego scenes at the end of the film? Because those are, I think, those are some of the most criticized parts of the Lost World. Uh, taking the dinosaurs out of like the natural habitat of what Jurassic Park. Well, as a kid, I liked it. Uh, now I would say it's definitely corny. It's definitely, I, it's I, definitely cheesy, and it's. I remember getting a kick out of like it. it just like it just seems yeah, just so like, especially like the fir- the first film. Seems just so out of tone with yeah, with just because it's it's almost played for laughs. Because it is yeah, it, it's 
you got the kid waking his family up. Like there's a dinosaur. There's a dinosaur outside. No one's no. heard this dinosaur stomping through yeah, the, residential areas. Yeah, no, uh, the guy that's the people are getting chased, and the one guy tries to like run to like safety into a building, but that like oh he's too stupid to try to open the door, and he gets eaten for it. Or the fact you have Japanese people running away, literally as like it's a, your stereotypical like oh it's Godzilla shot. Jap old Japanese. I think you mean Godzilla. Go Gojira. Gojira. You know, they're running away and, it, you know, looking in point. It's, all, it's, you know, like how Austin Powers' gold member parried. Like, oh, no, it's Godzilla. It's like, you mentioned this about the other, like, dinosaur attacks. Is that, like, do people really find those scary at this point? Because, like, you're, you were talking about the tiny dinosaurs that were attacking Dieter. Yeah. Uh, when he was in, at, like, at the pond. And they were kind of, like, following him, stalking him. And when he turns around, they stop moving. You're saying, you know, did, was that is that really scary? Is it expected to be scary? Because it's really not at that or point. It, or is it supposed to be? A, is like, it supposed to be? You like, know, like cheesy, like cheesy. a beat, like a B movie. Like, oh no, he, you know that asshole. Which, which, yeah, he's portrayed kind of as a, as an asshole, but it's not like anything that'd be like, yeah, that asshole had it coming though, type yeah. of thing. I mean, so I, it's, I, it's it's like his death is like. Totally pointless. Or, or like Eddie's, you can like he's he's the hero. He, he's a hero with his death. He's his sacrifice to save Vince Vaughn, Julianne Moore, and uh, Jeff Goldblum. You know that's oh that's great and it has impact. Yeah, Dieter like Dieter's like oh, it's yeah. kind of a pointless. It's a waste of time really. Yeah. Same thing with like uh, when you see Carter. You get crushed by the T-Rex's foot, and then, you know, stomped around kind of goofily, and then he falls into the puddle. The generic Mexican guy. Yeah, Spanish it's like, guy. oh, like, oh, okay. Or the or the one dumbass paleontologist that gets a snake, and he runs out where the T-Rex right is, and gets, you know, like, it's the, the fucking, you're at Universal Studios, like, now the T-Rex is coming in through the waterfall! I think that's the problem with um, The Lost World, is that it's trying to do too many deaths within its um, scale with... Wait, Jurassic Park, it really, it didn't have that many. You had the lawyer? Yep. You had... The guy on the shitter? That's the lawyer. That's the lawyer, yep. The game warden guy? He gets eaten by the velociraptors because he gets out Yeah. Yep. And you have, uh, Wayne Knight. I think, yes, yes, with the ichthyosaurus. The spitter. Yeah. Um, That's it, that's it. And then you have, what you think, you, um... For a while, that uh, Jeff Goldblum gets killed, but he doesn't. I think that there's tension in in that scenario because not everybody dies in it. But in the Lost World, a lot of people die in it, and but they, they don't mean anything. They, it doesn't mean anything. It's it's kind of like those like creature feature films that cut away to people that don't have anything to do with the film at all. Like they don't have anything to do well, with the main well, plot. Th- They're well, just there. If you think about it, especially the whole San Diego thing, like. Hundreds of people died just like from reckless driving because of the T Rex, like crashing and getting flipped over. That's probably where <laughs> all the budget went. It's like we need fucking cars crashing into things. Please, the, you know. the the the, sh- the seventy six ball rolling. Yeah, I was amazed when we were watching that whole thing. Like gas was a buck fifteen back then. Got you know. Well, I would have filled up if I was Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, there's a T Rex, but gas is a dollar fifteen. I know. Uh, let's I know. just fill up right now. Right, you know, while we're at it, we'll stop in and get a microwavable bean burrito. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because nothing, fill, you know, nothing gets my hunger going like a T Rex chase through San Diego. You know, and 
This film uses that water, blo- the blood in the water scene twice. And it looks terrible And it looks times. bad. I remember seeing it when it I was like a kid. Fr- and it looks like, like fruit punch. Yeah. I remember seeing it when I was a kid and being like, oh shit, you know, that guy mm-hmm. just got eaten. And and now thinking about it, like the logistics of those little dinosaurs, like fully eating that guy, like that doesn't really mesh with like the so, expect, you know, the realism. Well, of- like I said, like I, I don't know... What, how compies bite. I'm not a paleontologist. I don't know really that much about dinosaurs. At the same time, I just, like, have a hard time... with how big their mouths are. Like, the only way, like, they could kill them is constantly biting him, but he's a guy. He could stand up and, you know, constantly shrug him off unless they went for, like, the jugular or something. But at the same time, like, how many of them are focusing on the jugular? And even, like, with, like, one bite, their mouths are so small, I, would, I don't think they'd... Bike yeah. to get him, and at the same time, he doesn't. They show they don't show his death. It's off screen, but he's not like he's gurgling for blood. It's like ah, and then they just you know he's dead. Yeah, and you see the blood running through the water. And it's like, so what killed him? I mean, it certainly seems like Steven Spielberg was going for more of the violence here. I mean, you got um, Richard Schiff, Richard right? Yeah, Richard right? Schiff. Richard Schiff ripped apart by two T Rex. Um, you've got people stomped to death, you've got, you know, people eaten by the little compies, um, another T-Rex attack, which, uh, kills that one dude, that one horrible paleontologist, who seems to not know anything about paleontology, really, even though he pretends he knows facts, he really doesn't, he really doesn't know anything about them. You know, the, it, well, no, he knows, but I mean, I yeah, think, he just kind of sucks. <laughs> He's like the guy who's like, yeah, I know everything about paleontology, but but they hired like a two bit, two rate <laughs> guy who's like just looking for a paycheck, really. The kill guy a bu- who thinks kill, he knows everything. Killed a bunch of people in the Velociraptor field that you don't know. Just, yeah, <laughs> and you know, it goes for those those violent moments, and and then. Worse than going for those, though, is that it often cuts away from and it. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, they, he totally went halfway. Yeah. They, they, you know, he half wants... The, half the time when those, especially in the Velociraptor scene, when they're in the field, they're taking out the guys. Half the time, you don't even hear them, like, yelling. It's like, just, you hear the Velociraptor yeah. noise, and they just get taken down. You don't even hear, like, a, fuck, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's like, um, that would, that's like if, um, Alien went halfway. Because oh, that would be such an enjoyable film. Those are so the, the those attacks are are a lot like what you would see in something like Aliens, where all of a sudden you know they're walking along and an alien jumps out of a a heat duct or something, or like Starship Trooper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but again, they went halfway. They all they show is like a raptor flapping its tail around, like oh, I'm so happy, I'm eating a dude, you know. <laughs> um, so I think that's another big thing. It's like. Yes, okay, you added a lot of, uh, you know, off-screen violence, but really, is it is it really doing anything for your film if you add it like that? Because it's no more tense than Jurassic Park. Actually, it's very, a lot less suspenseful uh, because of its corniness. I mean... Well, like I said, I think this film is... It suffers from that. It's, it's definitely going like the Indiana Jones route, yeah. where it's B movie corny, it's, but at the same time, it's not done like in the really well sense. Or even it's not even done in the B movie sense that like it's going for it. Like as a viewer, you're not really sure. Like, is am it, I supposed to be laughing at it, or is it you know supposed, supposed to, be, to yeah. be a scary, suspenseful movie? I, I'm not really sure, and I think that 
The Lost World suffers from that sophomore slump of Steven Spielberg being like, okay, the first one made a lot of money. Well, he probably didn't want to do this. I, he probably didn't. He probably I didn't. Pro- I probably, I, I, I imagine he probably saw the pitch. Like, so, okay, they probably got halfway through the making this thing. He's like, why am I doing this? It's it's really not a good script. You compare it to, like, Jurassic Park, it's not a good script at all. Um, David, uh, you know, David Kep's script is, you're, you were right, it's like the CSI Miami of, you know, dinosaur movies. Goldblum's got those one-liners down. And I, and, and I think now uh, we might as well get into the Goldblumian factor quite a bit. You know, yeah. Actually get into it more so than we have uh, in the rest of this podcast. All right, so where would you put the uh, Goldblumian factor for The Lost World? Oh, it's high. It's high. It's um, certainly like Steven Spielberg said, Jeff, be yourself for this film. Well, I, I, <laughs> it almost feels like... Uh, the script was like his character was just like okay, who is this character? Like they didn't develop the character. Like, yeah, it's, get Jeff Goldblum to do this. And actually, we just want we just want Jeff Goldblum. A lot of the time in the film, it seems like he's either improvising or he just doesn't know the line <laughs> because he's throwing in a lot of ums and uhs and like just. Just tossing words in there. I, I don't know if he really does know this. Like I like the one scene where he's talking to his daughter, and his daughter calls the uh, one lady that he wants to send her to while he goes down to Isla Nubar. It, she's like, "Oh, she doesn't even have Sega. She's a troglodyte." And he's just like, "Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, tro- that's a good word. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's it, a g- good word. It could be used there. It's, it's, cruel, it's, cruel, it's, cruel, it's cruel, almost but. like like he like he probably had a line. He's just like, "Oh yeah, wow, that's, wow, yeah." I mean, he's good, good word. He's definitely um, stumbling over things and you know doing his little stutters in the, in a lovable way. I the, would say. No, I no, I agree. Because like I said, I think the best part of this whole film, the one reason why I would watch this film uh, several times, would be for Jeff Goldblum. And, and and his introduction in this film is fucking fantastic. After he had the poor little girl getting eaten by compies. And a scream and from a, her mother. mother which they don't show her getting mutilated by the compies. <laughs> no, no, they, no. She, he, she's screaming, and then it's, uh, you hear the sound of a subway going by, and it just shows Jeff Goldblum yawning. Like, mm. Like, fucking... As I told you, should have paused the film, just and just like, okay, we're done. End it there. And things can't that get... That was it. Things can't get any better... It was great. We saw The Lost World. We saw Jeff Goldblum. We're out. That's it. You know, save save ourselves an hour and 55 minutes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is really high on the Goldblumian factor. It's, um, it, it's a film where it seems like Spielberg just let Goldblum run with scenes and really didn't edit him in, in much of a way at all. I mean, I think that... This is really, if you were to speak to Jeff Goldblum, this is pretty much how he would talk to you. Your apartments.com, Jeff Goldblum. And, I mean, I will say that he does look handsome. Well, he's got that, like... He's got, like, a scruff going on. Yeah, he's scruffed all, all black. Boone Grand, that's what he was doing. Leather jacket. Black, but, I mean, um... Not wearing the glasses this time. Nope. He went to the contacts. No glasses. Um... Kind of a half Caesar going on, like because the Caesar haircut was getting pretty big at the time for male actors. So it's it's kind of like one, but not he's not he's not willing to go all Clooney there. He's you know keeping it keeping it a little bit longer. Yeah, but um, 
He's no, he's great. He, he, he's got, and he gets all the one-liners too. It's it's almost it's like Independence Day with a times up. Just, yeah, it's a uh, natural just, extension of what just just uh, but on a much, like a bigger scale of it, just what he has to say. Like yeah, it, it's a natural extension of of like what he did in Independence Day. It's well, it's like he did Jurassic Park, and then. Which he's very, yeah, you know, Jeff Goldblum, that's his whole character. He did, he did Jurassic Park. Just him being neurotic. And then they got him for Independence Day. They were like, yeah, he'd be a pretty good role, a pretty good uh, actor for for this role. Um, And so they kind of toned him back a little bit on that one, you know, but he still got some of the one-liners. And then in Lost World, Spielberg is like, I don't really give a shit at this point. And so they, he just let him go. He just let Jeff Goldblum go. He's like, you know, do what you want to do. You know, run with it. Have fun. Be ridiculous. That, that's totally up to you. Because, and and Spielberg seems to know that Goldblum's going to take center stage here. You know, he is main character, but also, you know, all of his expressions and reactions, his well, as one-liners, I, well, they're as, all going to... Well, as I said, outside of Richard Schiff... Who's a minor character, and then uh, Roland Tembo, who's you know not minor, but he's not anywhere near you know a major character. He's got that little happy balance. Yeah, all the main players around him, as I said, are wooden as hell. So yeah. it's all it's almost like this is Jeff Goldblum's movie to shine. It, well, not just that, but it's it's more like if. If he didn't bring that, this film would be incredibly <laughs> bland, bland and like yeah. unwatchable. Just because it'd be like, like, if, like I said, like, like why the hell isn't Sam Neill here? Like you'd think out of all the people Hammond could have contacted, another paleontologist instead of a chaos theory guy, that's who you want. Problem is Sam Neill, kind of a bland actor. Yeah. Uh, just overall, he's not gonna. He's he's gonna play it straight. Yeah, he's, he's gonna, not gonna yeah. be. He's gonna play it straight, and especially from because even in Jurassic Park three, he's the straight man. Yeah. Um. So in this, yeah, this film needed a neurotic mess of a man like Jeff Goldblum. Otherwise, it would have been like, I'm Sam Neill. I'm Vince Vaughn. I'm Julianne Moore. This is just such a fun trip now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, I think that Steven Spielberg was giving him free reign, and and, and that's to the film's benefit, because it, they do get a lot of mileage out of Jeff Goldblum just having witty one-liners, zooming in on him, having oh, yeah. ridiculous get, get, reactions. Got, gotta get that close up. Um, even his character, the writing for his character is kind of, you know, focusing on him as this person who's more, you know, accustomed to working than being a, a father. Yeah. So, you know, when his daughter has, you know, adverse reactions to him going off to this island and researching dinosaurs, of course he gets ridiculous one-liners like, don't listen to anything I say as a parent. Um, you know, it's just, I think that... He keeps calling you, like, not like, you know, like, Kelly, listen to me. He's like, sweetie, heart. Princess, queen, but my inspiration, love of my life. <laughs> you're brilliant. And, you're, you're beautiful. You're brilliant. You, you know, you're great. As I said, a young Donald, uh, younger Donald Trump sits there and takes notes. Like, <laughs> just say perfect a bunch of times, and people will be like, "This is the greatest thing ever." 
She says, everything's great, it's wonderful, it's just perfect. Great and wonderful and perfect. It's the only way. I'm going to fix this country. You won't even believe it. It's going to be perfect. Absolutely perfect. Well, how are you going to do that? It's going to be perfect and wonderful. I tell you what. I love Mexicans. Um, this is why I'm eating this taco bowl. <laughs> the white guy made it. I'm pretending he was Mexican. Um... What would you put this on a scale for uh, the Globlumian factor? Obviously, this is a very scientific measure. We can't explain it. Uh, it's too, there's too many variables in this to explain, but it's more complex than quantum physics. It's very, you know, <gasps> even a, uh, his character as a chaos theorist would not understand this. He just he would just probably just say, you know, life has a way of sorting. And and Jeff Globloom has a way of being ranked. Yeah. Um, I would say eight and a half to nine. It's yeah. up there. It's it. It's definitely. Would up you? There. How would you compare it to um, Jurassic Park? I mean, do you think he's he's higher on the Goldblumian factor with Jurassic Park, or do you think Lost World really I'd emphasizes s- that? It's t- it's. I it's think tough. it's I, tough because he's very Goldblumian in Jurassic Park, but because he's he's a minor character and he doesn't get yeah. you know a whole lot of screen time. But when he does get screen time, he's well, I, I, you know what? I almost will say this is like, this is almost a little bit lower than Jurassic Park. I would say so as well. Because in Jurassic Park, not only is he saying like things like I just said, like him like, hey, no, this is crazy and things and life and have a way. He's got his chuckle going like, <laughs> yeah, like his. his <laughs> I mean, he he he's not laughing at all in this movie because he's pissed off the entire time. He's like, I'm going back to this fucking island. I don't want to be there. You know, this is like, but he's playing it straight and at times too because when he finds out his girlfriend's there. And they're like, yeah, have, Hammond's like, have fun, the research mission. He's like, it's not a research mission anymore. It's just it's a rescue it's, mission. It's a rescue mission. It's like, yeah, put the sunglasses on and cue the, you know, the, the fan boats going on the bayou, you know. I would almost say that Jurassic Park is higher on the Goldblumian factor as well because, um, at least in that film, you don't get overloaded with it. So it seems, it's a lot more noticeable. And, and, and not only that, he's the goofy guy and a... Yeah. Uh, and everyone's straight. Yeah. And this one, he is the goofy guy. But, but everything's goofy. But every Even the fucking T Rex is goofy. No, I was gonna say every everything that happens in the film's goofy. But the people he's surrounded by are playing it all, you know, straight. Yeah. So it's like it's this weird mix, like because like as we said, like Jurassic Park, is, is it a, like a great thriller? As like a thriller? No. Well, you can take it as like a thriller. Yeah. And it's played straight, and he's he's like a the fish out of water character because he's he's the goofy guy. He's not playing it straight. Whereas in this one, it's a B movie. Everything that's going on is very B. Everyone playing it though is playing it straight, except him. Yeah. So it's I think it's more noticeable, and over time it wears on you more so than like you just get used to it in The Lost World more so than in Jurassic Park where. It's because dis- he's not. It's, it's because dis- it's he disappears for a while too. And it's, yeah, it's dis- it's in Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's distilled, it's distilled Goldblum. You know, it, it's like if you were to put him in a cologne or something oh. and just spritz With nice, him on. Nice whiskey barrel. That's yeah, right. Age and yeah, seeps in. All right, we rated the Goldblumian factor. I'd agree, like an eight eight point five. 
and I would say like Jurassic Park's a nine. Yeah. And then the only thing that rivals that is when he's really playing the outlandish version of himself mm, that's like, meant well, to be well, like I said, comedic well, and as like a pullout it, king. Him is yeah, pullout king. Uh, Apartments dot com. Yeah. Uh, those are intentionally like billion dollar movie that yeah, that, yeah that would be like those are like when people realize okay Jeff Goldblum has, is, is plays quirky. Jeff Goldblum he's quirky so let's get him to play the 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 the, the quirkiest I know the, the, like you know the the oddest the the the, quirk, the quirkiest person that he is well it's like it's like um, a, a nice a good Bill Shatner impression yeah uh, the more <laughs> or it's like the more when, the more, the, the more uh, <laughs> The greater the exaggeration of the Bill Shatner impression, the better it is. And le- or like when Zombieland had the cameo from Bill Murray playing himself, just a, a very like even escalated version of himself. You know, <laughs> it's the same thing. Like they're they're basically having Jeff Goldblum play an escalated version of himself. Yeah. So that's where you're going to get like the Goldblumian factor ten. Um, but yeah, the Lost World is, I think. Like an eight and eight point five, and it's really going to be the highest Goldblumian factor score that we give out in this Jeff Goldblum month. I would say, you know, I think it's going to be the highest one. Well, um, I haven't seen Cats and Dogs. That's yet. true. I haven't seen it yet, so I have yet to. I've I've got to reserve judgment until I see that one. But uh, so uh, we've already ranked Jeff Goldblum, but uh, on a scale of uh, one to ten, Velociraptors, what would you give The Lost World, Jurassic Park? You know, probably like a five and a half or a six, somewhere in between. There. You know, my Cause, uh, because because as boring as this film can be, and how just kind of bland it is, it doesn't. Unlike Independence Day, it does not offend my sense of sensibilities at all. It, yeah. I think not I th- like Jurassic Park three does. No, well, and the only saving grace in that is William H Macy. Yeah, so but this film doesn't offend me. Even like watching it for the first time in a couple of years. Um. I don't really have a nostalgia factor for it anymore. No, it, like it wasn't like kind of like like having like a culture shock, like watching Independence Day and be like, "My God, this is fucking trash." This film to me, I think there's enough things done right in it that I would say if you like the first Jurassic Park, go, you know, give it a watch. Yeah. Um, and I do think at times the campiness is enjoyable. Yeah, it can be. Um. Uh, but over overall, it's basically the first film, just remade into a more you know more B movie formula. Yeah, and I I understand why now after watching it for the first time in a long time that why people probably just you know just don't view it anywhere near as well as you know the first one. I would say I would give it like a six, just because. Yeah, I, I, you're I, right. I, I lean more towards it's like a six, it's, you know? it's it's a. Fine film, it's watchable. You can you can enjoy it for what it is. There's very few moments in that two, those two hours where it feels like the thing's dragging. Yeah, and I would say that that the last hour itself is like you're gonna that one really flies by because it just doesn't really stop. Um, not that that's a good or a bad thing. I I don't I I think that's more of a, a middle ground thing. Like I I don't think it's particularly good that they save everything until the last hour but it's not bad either it's certainly watchable so you know and and with the globalumian factor being a high 8 to 8.5 there's definitely things to enjoy about the film regardless of how you're feeling of about the cgi or the dinosaurs or the you know the 
main reuse of the John Williams score. Exactly. Not really innovating there at all. No. Just hitting the same. Same, like, even tones. So, that's our Lost World review. Anything else you want to add? What are we doing next week? We are probably doing... I'm going to say Cats and Dogs. Are you not going to say the other film? Ghostbusters? Yeah. We may do Ghostbusters. We may have a, like a little interlude to do Ghostbusters. I, you know, it, that depends on whether we're available by, to actually go see it. Well, you just make yourself available. It's going to have to be a night before we do the podcast where we go see it, and then we do the podcast. Because if we go on your uh, your whole like, well, maybe we may need to do it like Sunday afternoon or something you, like when you're out of work. You, I was say, because if we just did the whole like, no, maybe whenever the film will be out of theaters by then. That's true. We, I, I would say, and we, we will have shoot. missed, we will have missed the hit train that is. We should shoot for like Sunday afternoon when you're out of work, because I think that's the only time we're going to be able to go see it together. So, I would like to do Ghostbusters. Uh, we'll have a special interlude between our. Our uh, Jeff Goldblum month. Wouldn't it be great if Jeff Goldblum was in that? Oh, cameo that would be appearance? great. That would be great. But I, I, alas, I don't think he does. So, ah, yeah, Ghost yeah, Goldblum here. Go, oh, uh, oh, uh, you know, you know, plays a goat. Like, yeah, I'm Ghost Goldblum. Slimer. Oh, yeah. Oh, slime. Oh, oh. goo all over. Uh. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would be great if he's in that. But isn't I don't it amazing is. how? Ghostbusters cartoon Egon Spangler kind of looks like a blonde-haired me. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, we're, I think, you know, we, we will try to do Ghostbusters, and then after that it's going to be Cats and Dogs, and we'll end on the fly. And it'll be sad to see the Jeff Goldblum month come to a close. Well, maybe we'll have to make it a, we will, a, year, a yearly, <laughs> year, year long. Uh, we do every no, not, single... no, not a year long, but a yearly, we'll have like, oh, yeah. one, once a year we'll do Goldblum month, and... I'm like, okay, what what four films of Goldblum have we not uh, done yet? What's next month? Charles Bronson month? Oh, I would love that. Can we do that? We could. I don't care. We'll just do all the Death Wish films. We'll just do Death all... Wish month? Yeah, we'll just do That'd all... be fine with me. We could do Death Wish month. I love the Death Wish I feel like films. I'm missing, missing out on that. You How many are. are there? How many are there? Five. So it would run into the next month, but that's okay. And then by that time, we, we, can get, we can get all back to horror for the Halloween run. That's right. We would be up there. Uh, up, I can't believe... Uh, it still blows my mind. As somebody who likes like exploitation films, you haven't, haven't seen, seen any it. of the Death Wish films. Nope. Oh, they're great. We'll have to do it. They're great. So, I'm going to end this um, with a request that any listeners please like, rate, and review us on iTunes because that helps us get seen. Um, so if you you give us a great rating and say how awesome Ryan and Martin are on the Blood and Black Rum podcast, how sultry their voices sound, <laughs> how intelligent and sophisticated they are when they're speaking about movies. Well, you, you just scored in the top... Point one percent, point zero one percent of, of the, the uh, vocabulary test. That's right, I did so. that, but I didn't brag about it. I didn't. Well, I'm, bra- I'm bragging for you. Bragging for me. I'm waving Thank that you. flag. You know, get, get it out there. <laughs> um, so we would really appreciate it. Subscribe to us on iTunes. It's the best way for us to get out there. 
uh, to be heard. And we definitely want to be heard because we want to keep doing this. And so, you know, if we're not, if we're not being heard, then we're not going to, we're not going to keep talking to each other. You know? <laughs> um, at least in the microphone. Probably. That's right. <laughs> uh, we're also on SoundCloud, which is where our, um, our podcast is hosted. It's where the episodes go up first. So you can always follow us and, uh, like our podcast on there. Uh, we're soundcloud.com slash blood dash and dash black dash rum. Um, it's not easy to type in, but you could always just go to soundcloud.com and type in Blood and Black Rum Podcast and we'll pop up. Uh, we just got added to the ACAST database. Uh, ACAST is a podcast hosting site. Um, we're not hosted by them, but they certainly do uh, feature our podcast on there, so you can listen there as well. Uh, they do have an app that you can listen to. Um, we are on... Uh, Stitcher, that is uh, another different uh, syndicated podcast host that we are just we our RSS feed gets posted to. You can listen to us on there if you have like a, a Honda car or something like that. They, I think they feature Stitcher as they're listening. Um, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Like us on there, um, and also make sure when you like us that you are getting notifications about our posts, because otherwise you're not going to see them, because Facebook fucking sucks. <laughs> Facebook pages are terrible now that they've uh, taken away some of our uh, privileges. Um, what else we got? We got, a, we got an email address where you can email us about any films that you want to see covered. Films or anything else, really. Video games we can do. Whatever you want to see. Uh... That's blood and black run podcast at gmail.com. I will respond to you, I promise. And uh, I'm also on Twitter at uh, Ryan, R Y N E T M I A D W. You can always tweet me with your requests. I will share them with Martin. Uh, we'll both respond to you and probably uh, give you some love as well on the podcast. We'll mention you. We finally got a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. You can always uh, tweet us on there as well. Um, we will be back next time, and uh, it's a we're not sure yet. Could be Ghostbusters, could be Cats and Dogs, but you can bet we'll be back with another episode of the of a, a, a film featuring Jeff Goldblum in the near future. So thanks for listening to the Blood and Black Rum podcast, and you have yourself a good rest of the day. Take care. <laughs>